Well, hello everyone. I'm here reading out to you an article that I wrote for the Sovereign Grace Church's journal. And I thought it'd be, well, actually Joel Serek thought it'd be useful to put it in a podcast version in case you don't get a chance to sit down and read it. And my hope is, is that some of you will be able to read it before we go away on our Sovereign Grace Church's Australia Together retreat and kind of answering that question, why are we doing this? Why are we making this big effort to go away as two separate churches and come together as one? kind of feels like a lot of effort and a lot of relational output. Why, why do we do that? Can't we just be a, our little local church? Uh, and this article was, um, well, is going to be part of an upcoming journal. And the question I was given um, to answer in the article is, what does partnership mean for church members? And so the article is creatively entitled, what does partnership mean for church members? Pay attention to the postscripts. Do you read and study the postscripts at the ends of the book of, at the end of the books of the New Testament? You know, those last few verses that include the personal greetings, well wishes, and instructions given from the author to the churches that were once practical but now seem quite irrelevant 2000 years on from their composition. I used to view them as nice but unnecessary. It was fun to read and try to pronounce their names whilst imagining what they looked like. Rufus, a large bearded man. Andronicus, the warrior disciple. And Ampliatus, a one-armed evangelist. In my mind, the meat was in chapters 1 to 14 of Romans, and chapters 15 and 16 seemed like they were kept for posterity, but were not quite as living and active. How wrong I was. Far from being outdated and irrelevant, along with all the personal references in the epistles, they give us a wonderful window into the interdependent life of the New Testament church and their leaders. Through these spirit-inspired add-ons, speech marks, we gain vital, vital insights into what gospel partnership means, not just for pastors, but for the entire church membership. They teach us, by example, so much about the duties, expectations, and benefits of interdependence across churches. They teach us that every member has a part to play and benefits from our partnerships. In healthy New Testament churches, partnership across churches is not just for the pastors, it's for the whole church. And we have the same hope for Sovereign Grace Churches Australia. We want to continue in our rich history of whole churches caring for other churches. We want to see the youngest members in our congregations own their role in partnering with other, ch other churches. I want the members of my local church to feel a part and play their part within our family of churches. This is a sign of health and maturity. Mature Church Memberships Mature church memberships are concerned for the welfare of other churches and their leaders. Immature church memberships are only concerned for themselves individually and at best their own church corporately. Why is this? The New Testament church is a family, the household of God. Ephesians 2.19, Galatians 6.10, 1 Timothy 5.15 within a broader, larger, universal church family. 
your brotherhood throughout the world, 1 Peter 5.10. Families care for one another, sacrifice for one another, protect one another, give gifts, eat meals, welcome new additions in, show deference and respect to uncles, aunties and grandparents. And they do this not only in the nuclear unit, but in the broader familial group for the good of the family name. It's often been said that it's not just Jesus and me, but Jesus and we. But it's also bigger than that. The we includes not only our local church, but other local churches that we are called and blessed to be in partnership with as well. This is reflected in Paul's instructive greeting to the Corinthians. To the church of God that is in Corinth, those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 2 We are called to be saints together with other Christians, and the most practical way for us to put that into practice is with our fellow Sovereign Grace churches, locally, regionally, and globally. This cuts against our insipid individualism and our lionizing of corporate independence. Healthy New Testament churches are not independent, but interdependent. And this is not just at the leadership level, but must make its way down to the entire membership. Partnership is not just for pastors. It's for the entire congregation, with every member playing their part for the good of the whole. The Mature Macedonians The church in Philippi is heralded by Paul as a great example of a healthy and mature membership who played their part in the furtherance of the gospel and the care for other churches outside of themselves, and it took the whole congregation to make this happen. For example, they alone sacrificially partnered with Paul by sending him aid whilst he was shamefully bound in chains for the cause of the gospel, not once, but multiple times. Philippians 1, 3 to 7, 4, 10 to 21. They sent out one of their best, Epaphroditus, to serve Paul and accompany him in his evangelistic mission and support for other churches. Philippians 2, 25 to 30. They begged Paul for the opportunity to give financially to aid the Jerusalem church in her suffering, despite their own poverty. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 5. The Macedonians are honoured because of their maturity amidst adversity. They cared for their church partners in the gospel, their broader church family, and wanted to play their part. Mature church memberships are concerned for the welfare of other churches and their leaders. The Childish Corinthians The Corinthians, on the other hand, were childish and constantly beset by tribalism and independence. They struggled constantly to accept the extra-local leadership of Paul and instead welcomed in false apostles, 2 Corinthians chapters 10 and 11. Though they pledged to give aid to the Jerusalem church, they'd begun to waver in their commitment and needed a special envoy of Titus to remedy this lack, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. They accepted immorality, got drunk at communion, sued one another, and used their spiritual gifts as badges of their own importance. In a word, they were immature. Despite their wealth, status, education and gifting, they don't seem to excel in partnership 
or play their part in accordance with the grace given to them. Immature church memberships are only concerned for themselves individually and at best their own church, corporately. Partnership in practice at the member level. So, what can you do as a membership to participate in your partnership maturely and meaningfully with other churches? Here are five practices for how the whole church membership, not just the leaders of a local church, are expected to play their part in the cause of the gospel. 1. Give. Though 2 Corinthians 8-9 is often used to spur us on for giving generously to our local church, the context is actually Paul encouraging the Corinthians to set aside money to send outside of their church to the Jerusalem church. He sees it as their duty to support the hand that fed them at first. From Jerusalem came the gospel which saved them. And it is a matter of, to quote Paul, fairness, 2 Corinthians 8.14, that they who are wealthy now should support their suffering and poorer wider church family. In Sovereign Grace Churches, we have so many wonderful opportunities to play our part in the global mission of God. We can give to the work of the Asia, Africa and European Development Funds. We can give to Sovereign Grace Central. We combine together as regions to raise up funds for church planting in our region and, our, and beyond. We find ways to help the poor, persecuted, and under-resourced churches in our family. It takes the work not just of big donors, but people like the poor Macedonians who, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2-5 to Where else can you give as a church to support the work of other churches, especially Sovereign Grace churches? 2. Receive Whether it's Paul, Timothy, Titus, Tychicus, Epaphroditus, or countless others, local churches and their whole membership are called to humbly accept an extra local leader coming in to serve and guide them. They're meant to provide for their needs, receive the letters they bear, embrace them, and listen to their teachings, encouragements, and corrections. When Paul sent back Epaphroditus to the Philippians, he told them to receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Philippians 2.29 That is, the whole church is called to welcome him back, take him in, and do it with a joyful heart, and even to go as far as to honor him. Paul also wrote to the Roman church to welcome Phoebe into their midst, instructing them to welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Romans 16.2 Let us do the same in Sovereign Grace churches. When a visiting preacher comes or a serving team from another church, be invested and involved. Receive them, host them, care for them, honour them, and provide for them. Lean into their leadership and wisdom. That's partnership, and that's maturity as a whole church. 3. Send 
Can you imagine what it would have been like to have been in the church at Antioch? After hearing the gospel, turning to Christ and forming as a church, the great Barnabas is sent from Jerusalem to check in on the church. He stays for a while and then goes and gets a mate to help him, the Apostle Paul. They stay there for a year of fruitful ministry. And then, in a prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit sets aside both Paul and Barnabas for the cause of world mission. They fast, lay their hands on them, and send them out. What a blow, what a loss, but what a gain. By sending out Paul and Barnabas, the Antioch church was caught up in the global plan of God promised from the time of Abraham to see all the nations of the earth blessed. Genesis 11, 3. They got to be an instrumental part of fulfilling the great prophecy of Isaiah 49, 6. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And the rest is history. As they went out, they took the gospel to the Gentiles, and from there sparked a sovereign chain reaction that reverberates into our very lives today. But what would have happened if if the Antioch church were only concerned for themselves? If they wanted to keep their best for themselves only? Imagine how great their sermons would have been. Imagine their Sunday morning classes. But also imagine their loss. No church in Ephesus, Galatia, Thessalonica, or even Corinth. Healthy and mature churches send leaders and send workers to spread the gospel and aid other churches. For how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Romans 10, 14 to 15. It takes courage and gospel sacrifice as a church to send out a plant, to send out beloved members to join a team, to send a pastor on trips, to send out key leaders to aid other churches. And it takes a belief that the salvation of unbelievers and the health of other churches is our priority. Therefore, we must send. Who is it in your church that needs to be raised up and sent out? When the call comes for a church plant, will you pray if God is calling you to join the team? Will you joyfully bear the costs of sending your leaders out regionally and globally to help the cause of Christ abroad? If you do, you'll be involved in the great plan of redemption in a whole new and broader way. 4. Pray Often what is most achievable can seem like the hardest thing to do, and that is prayer. It doesn't cost us money, but it does require our time, energy, heart, and headspace. Yet this is a vital means of healthy church partnership. Paul enjoins the Ephesians in the task of broad prayer. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Ephesians 6.18 And he calls them to join in praying for him and his gospel work. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly, as I ought to speak. Ephesians six nineteen to 20 Are you praying for matters outside of your local church? 
Have you signed up for the Global Missions Newsletter so that you can be informed and consistent in praying for the nations? Do you pray for church plants, planters and their teams? This takes time and effort, but it is a beautiful way of partnering with our churches across the world. 5. Love Probably the least obeyed commandment in all the New Testament is greet one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13.8 This command, which looks confusing at first, was a Christian innovation, a beautiful expression of Christian love and a token of deepest relational relationship and unity. This greeting broke down social, gender and racial barriers and enabled a visible and physical sign to express our solidarity in Christ. This unity is first to be expressed in our local churches, but then radiates outward to the brotherhood throughout the world. 1 Peter 5 9. And although it isn't necessary that we kiss physically, it is a reminder that our unity is to be affectionate, warm, genuine, and unprejudiced. We are now a global family of churches. This is beautiful but it will require us to love people who are very different from us in almost every way on both sides of the world. And so we need to not only partner with our fellow Christians, but to love the brotherhood. 1 Peter 2.17 Do you love your brothers and sisters in your region, in your country, and across the world? Does your heart yearn for them? Do you hold them with affection? Conclusion Play your part and feel a part. We have a duty and a privilege to be in partnership across our sovereign grace churches. We get to play a part in God's global mission in big and small ways. And the benefit is, as we look outside ourselves, we also will feel a part of what God is doing too. Paul said to the Corinthians that in their financial partnership, This benefits you, 2 Corinthians 8.10. This has been my experience. The more I play a part, the more I feel a part, and the more joy I have. Our church, Sovereign Grace Parramatta, was born out of sacrificial partnership from Sovereign Grace Church Sydney. Church was born out of generous partnership from churches in Wales and the US, and the cycle continues. Whole churches, like the church in Juarez, Mexico, have the joy of hosting the significant Fieles Conference for 480 pastors. The church in Louisville adopts 10 to 15 future pastors and their families for 10 months and serves them, even though they know they'll all likely leave them and never return. And the stories abound elsewhere, and so does the joy. Mature churches are concerned for the welfare of other churches and their leaders. They are in spirit, they're in partnership as a whole church. They give, receive, send, pray, and love. And their chief shepherd, the one who gave it all to welcome us into his eternal family, watches on with delight.